Hi, what's up, Chalkers? Welcome to the Let's Chalk About It podcast. If you're new to fitness or just want to hang with some like-minded fitness folk, then this is the place for you. Remember, it's always good to chalk about it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It. I am joined by Cactus Jacked, Scott Carson, and uh, we have our very first <laughs> podcast guest in the House of Pain Sticks. Boom. Um, yeah, all right. Okay. The real I'm not ones. Bother now. I'm just not going to bother. <laughs> I'm going to sit like this so you can't see my upper half. How are we all? Are we doing all right? Yeah, as good as can be, I guess. Um, yeah. Got a lot more time on our hands now, haven't we? So, well, yeah, we most certainly have. We most certainly have another lockdown. I don't think anyone was expecting a second one. Well, they've been been teasing it ever since the first one, haven't they? So, uh, it's all like the do as you're told, or we're locking you down again. Yeah, but the prequel's so, never and, as good uh, as the original, right? You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it. It might be, it might be a Terminator. It might be an Aliens. It might be a Godfather. No, know, that's the, very true. The sequel might be better. It has been heard yeah. of. A Shrek. Shrek. <laughs> Got you there. Yeah, okay, fair <laughs> enough. We've gone from um, some of the greatest films in the world and then Shrek. <laughs> hey, let's not knock Shrek. All right, yeah, let's not on. get off on the wrong foot here. All right, all right, all right. We'll start again. Um, so, how is um, COVID affecting you guys? Because obviously, you guys have had to shut down the school. So obviously that's not the best of news for you. Yeah, I mean, it's been so up and down this year because obviously uh, January to March was going great. And then in March, we we celebrated our 10-year anniversary. So luckily we were able to get those shows out. Um, <clears throat> and I think we did... Um, no, no, sorry, February was the 10-year anniversary. Did the first couple of shows in March... And we, we didn't get to do the, the final three that we normally do at the end of the month. And then we sh we had to shut the school end of March through April, May and June. And um, we could we could have actually reopened the school in June. But we made the choice of waiting until July just to see if, um, you know, things cleared up. At all. Because overall, Nottingham actually wasn't that bad. You know, it was one of the lowest lowest cases in the country um so we didn't think there was any any danger there but regardless we took a, a hell of a lot of safety precautions and spent quite a lot of money um that obviously we wouldn't have had to do before you know getting different things in just to make everyone feel comfortable you know and um up the safety factor and um this was for the more experienced students you know because at first I didn't want to be half, having to be kind of being physical with 70 different people every week. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah I can imagine there's a bit of a risk involved in there. Yeah. I mean, they're in groups of four. Okay. And then it moves to groups of eight, but in most of the time they're only wrestling with two, three people in that session. Right. Whereas over the course of the week, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I was the only one that was at risk. Um, yeah, and I suppose, well, at least from what I remember when I was uh, back in the day when I was trainers, some of the new guys didn't exactly come in with the best of hygiene either. So uh, sometimes it was a little bit like, hmm, yeah, I'm going to put my head in this yeah. armpit, probably not the best. <laughs> yeah, 
best of well, we didn't pandemic um, yeah i mean we reserved it to the people that could pretty much already wrestle you know so i could tell them what to do and give them pointers and then in september we brought back the beginners uh because again it was going fine you know we did it in uh groups of six um that was what the government said anyway and um you know, everything was going really well and then uh suddenly nottingham is the the highest cases in the country you know unfortunately we have uh two universities here you know and come mid-september an addition of about a hundred thousand people <laughs> like, yeah. from, from other places <laughs> who would have guessed that universities yeah. might have lots of people and may spread this disease i mean who'd have yeah. known eh? i know and um you know since that happened obviously everywhere the cases were going up so uh we knew it was coming but we just tried to get as much training in as possible uh luckily you know much like with the first lockdown uh we got some uh like in-house content shot you know we've got a uh, a guy called chris chris garrett in nottingham uh used to wrestle and do loads of other things under the under the name g-man and okay. um he's responsible for filming and editing, you know, pretty much I'd say about 60% of the wrestling shows in England. Um, and wow. he lives, he lives in Nottingham. He's a good friend. So um, just before the first lockdown, you know, we did some in-house matches and kind of edited them together in episodes for YouTube, like an online content. Oh, okay. I'm with you. So that you basically yeah, yeah. your own sort of like all the pay-per-view things you can yeah. get out. And yeah. People. I mean, yeah, I mean, we were, we were able to do it. Um, I don't want to compare us to NXT, but obviously we've got, you know, the, a really good facility. So um, a lot of other wrestling schools run out of someone else's place, you know. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons why we were able to open is because we could control everything about the place um, as far as who came in and what they were doing when they were in there. Um, so during, I think it was August... You know, we shot some other online content and um, the aim was for that to finish mid-December because we release one every week. I think we're only on episode six and we've got 13 filmed. And um, yeah, hopefully that would lead to um, us being able to do our Christmas shows. But uh, I don't know whether that's going to happen. <laughs> well, yeah. So where, if someone wanted, yeah, exactly. What, what everything across for you, mate? Everything. Yeah, thank you. So where can um, people go and watch these then, if they if they want to watch them? Um, just subscribe to the House of Pain, uh, House of Pain Wrestling YouTube channel. Um, I share them on all the social media sources for House of Pain Wrestling, anyway. Um, so. I'm sure if you put in House of Pain Wrestling, you'll find them because I'm not sharing much else right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, we'll, uh, when this goes out, we will drop the link below as well so that you guys can get, um, hopefully get some followers from that as well. Not that we've got massive cool. followers, but yeah. you know, someone might sit here and go, I want to go and watch some House of Pain. Let's uh, Absolutely. jump on YouTube. Uh, no one's got anything better to do, have they, at the moment? No You've got a lot of time on their hands. I, yeah. was, I was saying before, um, like last week, like some of my students are like, oh, did you see the latest one of this or this? And I'm like, I just don't have the time to watch it all. Yeah. <laughs> and now we do. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> the sad truth, isn't it? It's like, 
I mean, we were well all looking to watching Tiger King when uh, the first <laughs> one came around. <laughs> I'm still trying to find my uh, lockdown two series. You know, it's lockdown one was Tiger King. You know, I wonder what lockdown two is going to bring. You know? oh, <laughs> yeah, probably nothing anywhere near as entertaining as the Tiger King. <laughs> that show was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, they did a follow up, didn't they? And it just wasn't that good. Yeah, that was the kind of pre-recorded. The like, it was kind of a bit like this, wasn't it? Where they just spoke to the people afterwards, and they, mm. yeah, no one knew. Yeah. But, well, he was um, the guy, weren't he? He was the one you wanted to watch, and he's the yeah. one you can't watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't think they let the cameras in prison, unfortunately. So uh, <laughs> maybe they should, though. Maybe they. Oh, should. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he'll be on. Yeah, there's like young offender shows where they send them into prison straight, scared straight. Is that what they're called? Oh yeah, scared straight. Yeah, send yeah. them into the to meet the Tiger King might be an interesting yeah. episode. <laughs> well, I mean, we've had um, guys like Louis Faroo, haven't they? They've gone into prisons. Yep. And yep, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Ro Ross Kemp seems to be down with the gangs in the local area. Yeah. So I'm sure. Uh... <laughs> That's very true. In some he kind of disappeared a little bit as well, didn't he? Who's that? Ross oh, Kemp. Kemp. Yeah, you don't want to see some. I don't know if it's just because I don't watch regular telly anymore. But you just don't see him that often. But yeah, he's kind of disappeared a little bit. He was like the guy at one point, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the um, the English hard man, wasn't he? You know, now they get uh, Jason Statham <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> a legit hard man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Always, every time I think of him, I always think of him in um, extras. You know, he pretends oh, yeah. to be a hard man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he breaks down at the end. He's really sensitive. Me time. Yeah. <laughs> I, remember, I remember my sister always used to say um, she can't watch Grant cry on EastEnders because it's just too emotional. <laughs> That's my sister, not me. Okay, no. all right. Okay, if you say so. If you say so. <laughs> I have to say, I love the um, name of the podcast, by the way. Well, thank you. Thank you. Very, I can't uh, even remember how we come up with it. It just kind of, yeah, one day we were just talking about something because we need to do a podcast. And then the, I don't think the name just appeared. And Excellent. I'm not quite sure where it came from, but <laughs> yeah, it was a, it must have come to me in a dream. <laughs> or a nightmare i'm not sure which one it is yet yeah. See, i personally feel bad because i have never used chalk in my life so no, no. no. <laughs> oh there's more chalk in our gym than there is gym equipment i think S straps and hooks well yeah straps and hooks yes uh not chalk though maybe i should give it a go see in competition you can't use straps unless you're like unless it's a strongman competition yeah so ah. we have to sort of train to make sure that we can grip the bar properly. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to uh, compete. So if you can't grip it. You don't. You don't get the lift. Yeah, I like. I like all of the uh, like on the world's strongest man. All of the equipment is just half white. You know, yeah. just because of the chalk that flies off everyone. Yeah, and hand. they're also using like triple ply suits and straps <laughs> at the same time. So it's not even just chalk. They're they're essentially just welded into that bar. Yeah, something I don't get. Um, you know especially when it comes to the deadlift record, that's something people in the UK seem to care about a lot. It's Thor and Eddie fighting over the records. Yeah. But when Benny done it all those years ago, Benny Magnuson, he pulled it without a suit and straps. Mm. So he did it fully raw. And now a guy chucks on a singlet made of seatbelts and claims the, the world championship. <laughs> but I just don't get how people don't comprehend that that's not the same lift. It's completely right. different. 
Yeah, I think um, Britain are the best at like overhyping achievements, though, aren't they? That is they, true. They'll always revert back to the uh, oh yeah, but we've got this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, yeah, but during the war. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that England beat Germany at the World Cup once? <laughs> yeah, just once. That's a conspiracy theory right there. <laughs> Can you remember what year that was? I, I can't because I'm just not a football fan. I thought you were going to say, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I generally did not know. <laughs> 1966. Was it? Before the first moon landing. Never happened. Yeah. There you go. Miracles can happen. We can land on the moon and we can win the World Cup. Hey ho! <laughs> Who'd have thought it? See, now I'm not. I'm not a conspiracy theory when it comes to the moon landing, but I do think it's weird that 2001: Space Odyssey came out the year before the first moon landing, and that movie mm-hmm. just looks too good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, that was the original. Uh, sorry, go on. That was the original robot loses its mind and takes over human film wasn't it so uh yeah we're well we're well on the way with that one i have yeah to we're, we're getting there we're oh getting yeah 100 <laughs> to be fair we could do with being replaced by something that's uh, not going to destroy the rest of the planet but hey uh... yeah i agree <laughs> maybe a new prime minister new prime minister and we may have a new well we're not gonna have a new president but um they probably like to think that they're that we're gonna have a new president but it's looking more and more likely that Biden's going to get in. So uh, that'll be interesting times over there. Kind of glad depends, I don't live there. Depends how many times he gets dragged through the courts, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Oh, 100% that's going to happen. He's already starting legal battles now, isn't he? Saying that he's suing somewhere for... Yeah. Well, like Trump saying, we're going, we're going to go straight to the Supreme Court. It's like, that's not how it works, Donald. <laughs> he is in his world. He has the money. He has the hair. He does what he wants. <laughs> So after four years of running this country, we'd think you'd have a grasp on the legal system by now. But uh, he barely even got a grasp on Twitter. He's not going to have a grasp on the legal system. Uh, he, he's my favourite Twitter person. Oh, he's brilliant. Oh, definitely, right. yeah. I you can see, see the, him doing stand-up after this, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> you see the tweets for all of like 30 seconds before they uh, delete them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's only because Twitter can't bring themselves to ban the President of the United States. <laughs> I like how they always put a caveat on his tweets, like, this isn't fact what he's saying. It's like, he's the president of the United States. <laughs> and Twitter is the one that's calling him out. I'm surprised he's still got a tick. You know, like the verification ticks. There's so yeah. many people, like, yeah. they won't give it to OJ Simpson. So OJ Simpson's got, like, two million followers, but they will not give him a blue tick. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, let's, let's not give this murderer a blue tick, but we'll keep well, the president with a blue tick. The moment he loses the presidency, that tick. Got, yeah, well, he'll just be off, won't he? Just, like, get rid of him. Take him off Twitter. We don't need him anymore. Entertainment's done. So, talking of names, because you yeah. quite nicely pointed out that you like the podcast name, I'm very intrigued to know where the name Sticks come from. Yeah. Um, I used to play the drums. <laughs> That's fantastic. That is not what I was expecting the answer to. Yeah, That's well, exactly um, what I wanted it to be. Yeah. <laughs> I used to play the drums in a band and um, the guitarist used to jokingly call me Sticks because I always used to break them. And um, when it came time to pick a wrestling name, uh, my first character was like a um, like a Ross Kemp. 
you know, like a, a London thug type character. You know, and there was three or four of us, like in a group. And we said around the time uh, Lockstock and Snatch were all, you know, the rage. Mm. And everyone had these like catchy little nicknames, you know, to do with, I don't know, the way they hurt people or the way they collected money or whatever it was. So um, my tag partner at the time was my, uh, he lived in the in the flat next door to me in London. And his name was Pliers. Um he carried around the big, uh, almost like garden shear Like the style. Bruce Beefcake style. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, at, at first I wanted to be called Verbal after um, Kevin Spacey's character in Usual Suspects. Oh, oh glad brilliant. you didn't pick that one. <laughs> well, ma- mainly because I always thought I'd be really good on the microphone. Like, uh, like talking in front of crowds and stuff like that. Until I realised I wasn't. So, yeah, I could have taken the verbal name like he did because he doesn't really talk a lot, you know, <laughs> right? But, um, <laughs> yeah, sticks just sounded, you know, snappy, you know. And then, um, Is that pun when me and ah, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, but thank you, got you. The dad jokes on the go. <laughs> uh, then when me and, um, What's his name in NXT now? Uh, Danny Birch. All right, oh, sticks and stone. Yep, stick. Uh, he he was actually wrestling as Joe Riot at the time. Oh, okay. And uh, he specifically changed his name to Martin Stone so that we could be sticks and stone. And um, we took uh, Dean Ayers on as a manager. Yep. And uh, he was the one who actually told me about the Greek mythology of the River Styx. Like where you go through, uh, you have to cross the River Styx to enter hell. Mm. So we came up with the with the gimmick of uh, placing the silver coin on our opponent's forehead, like after we won, as like symbolic. And um, Styx by itself was always just enough until maybe 2007 when me and Martin didn't really team anymore because mm-hmm. it was the London Fog gimmick. It was sticks and stones, so just sticks made sense. Um, but then after that, you know, just sticks just kind of wasn't enough. You know? um, and I was always taught that your wrestling name, if it appeared on a poster with no picture of you, it should already give fans an idea of what to expect. Oh, uh, yeah. I've never heard that before. That's yeah. so, uh, really interesting. Sticks doesn't really say anything. So someone said to me, you need a need a nickname um i guess like sting you know like i used to always get introduced like sting like this is sticks yeah yeah <laughs> um just because i knew the the ring announcer just saying sticks okay it was just over so over so quickly yeah. you know um i've never been that good with coming up with uh like names for stuff like uh nicknames and move names and stuff like that you know other other people have a, a brain wired for that and um one of my trainees at the time was and i asked him for just a bunch of nicknames and one of them was house of pain and i really like you know the ring of that and it was dean Ayers who said um add heavyweight onto it yep so the heavyweight house of pain you put that on a poster you got heavyweight you got pain i was always a heel at the time so it made sense um, and maybe not as a baby face, 
as a as a good guy. It sounds a bit um, sounds a bit. I don't know. Painful. That was a pen. That was a pun. And um, I mean, I thought, you're you're so over now in the UK. I mean, everyone knows pretty much who you are. So I suppose the name kind of, even if you're playing a face, yeah, they're fine with that. They're not going to sort of look at you and go, well. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, one of the companies I, I worked for started calling me the Action Man. <laughs> Which is... Um, for that. <laughs> Which is quite funny because um, there was a time around, I'd say about 2011, 2012, um, like my wife now um, hit the nail on the head. I was always a bit confused as to why when I was a heel and I wrestled certain baby faces, certain good guys, um, that the crowd seemed a little bit reluctant to boo me at times, you know? And she hit the nail on the head in saying that, you know, because, well, back then, like a lot of British wrestling was still kind of building their bodies up or... In fact, they didn't give a damn how they looked. Um, when I come out, you, you know, the, the, especially the kids kind of see someone like what they'd see on TV, you know. Yeah. Like and that kind of larger-than-life character yeah. that you don't normally see walking down the street. Yeah, and because of the mohawk, um, you know, my wife said, if you gave an 8-year-old or a 10-year-old a bit of paper and said, draw a wrestler, you know, it would probably look like you, like different hairstyle, you know, just yep. big, you know, whatever. And I was like, okay, especially when I used to carry the chain as well. You know, it was quite a, um, quite a good, like a solid look, you know? Yeah. And unless the baby face was kind of on their game and good, you know, and knew what to do with the crowd, there'd be that sense of, they just want me to murder the baby face, which is never the kind of, um, <laughs> never the kind of, reaction you yeah, want. Yeah, not what you want as a heel <laughs> yeah. at all, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So um because she, you know, said you look like a kind of action man figure, you know, um the promoter started calling me action man sticks. You know. <laughs> Do you come with so karate chop action? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I still one from Austin Powers as my finisher. <laughs> <laughs> you got those really shifty eyes as well though. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say that the little yeah. Back um, of the head, shifty eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and much like an action man, I only move in three different ways. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's the that's essentially how the name came about. So um, when did it sort of all start for you then? Like, as in, when did you fall in love with wrestling? Were you very young? Were you older? God. Um, my first pay-per-view was the 1990s Survivor Series. And... Um, you know, I referenced the first baby faces I ever saw were Texas Tornado, Legion of Doom, and the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. You know, how could a kid not fall in love with wrestling after seeing that? <laughs> you know, exactly. the tassels, the face paint, the, the shoulder pads, <laughs> you know, whatever it was, you know, it just it went off from there. And um, I got into, like, I guess I always wanted to be a wrestler, but it was always an American thing to me, you know. I didn't even know British wrestling existed, which back then I think a lot of people were in the same boat, you know, unless there was a local show that you followed, which were few and far between, you know, in the year 2000. Um, 
but then I, I bought uh, Wow magazine. It was World of Wrestling magazine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember they had a that. Section. Wow. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> they had a small section dedicated to British wrestling. And uh, that's where I found Hammerlock um, yep. down in Kent. And uh, me, me and uh, Pliers, who I referenced to earlier, <laughs> um, went down there for a few sessions. Unfortunately, on the second session, he dislocated his thumb about 15 minutes into it. Oh, and nice. um, <laughs> he couldn't continue anymore. And because because <laughs> he was my ride home, um, he basically couldn't continue anymore. So we had to go. But um, yeah, I mean, a lot of great wrestlers have come out of Hammerlock, you know, and the affili affiliated schools over the years. But um, it, it kind of came off like, give me your money and I'll teach you a couple of things and then just let you do what you want for X amount of time. And um, I actually joked with the teacher, uh, John Ryan, his name was, uh, a couple of years later when I saw him like on the scene. And um, I said, do you remember when you called me over and uh, told me my clothesline was crap on my, on my first session? <laughs> he was like, I don't remember that. <laughs> well, I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah. He told me a lock up and a wrist lock and then just told us to pair up and wrestle. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I hit a clothesline and he called me over with a clothesline was crap. I was like, okay. Cheers, mate. You're going to give me any advice on making it better? No, yeah. it was just crap. <laughs> no. But I did, I did thank him, though, um, because when I got put in charge of the school originally, um, it was uh, a prototype of how not to teach people. You know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I made my school kind of very learn-heavy. You know, like you're going to school. You know, school is made for learning do you think that was your driving factor it was one of them yeah it was one of them like i mean wrestling schools like i said were few and far between back then so you'd bounce around a few and you realize that not a lot of them are actually teaching much no and i took great pride like from the time i took over the school in 2016 uh 2006 sorry um just to make sure that however long you're there, you're learning the whole time, okay? Other than when you get to put what you've learned into practice, you know? And, you know, the teachings developed over time as well. You know, I became a bit, I, I never wanted to be a teacher, <laughs> you know? Um, maybe a PE teacher. I wanted to be a PE teacher. So I guess it's kind of the same. Um, but yeah. I uh, I just kind of fell into the role because I just happened to be the most experienced person there. You know, I probably shouldn't have been teaching at the time uh, from a uh, experience point of view. But if I hadn't, then someone far less experienced would have taken the role. And God knows how, you know, some people would have ended up um, after that. Uh, yeah, I mean, so... you, you tend to find in the UK as well, there is a lot of, uh, you know, there's, there's few and far between people like yourself that want to make the industry better they just see it as this is a way of making money i think sorry go I think, yeah i think now um there are quite a few um you know you've got you got rampage up in newcastle and you got primate up uh, that way as well 
Yep. Uh, they take good care. You know, you've got uh, Zach Gibson and um, James Drake in Liverpool, along with Dean Allmark now um, in Liverpool. You got Sam Bailey in Manchester. You know, you got Joel Redmond down in um, Stafford. Um, Lincoln Flight Factory. Uh, Paul Malin actually runs in Spire School. In oh, so much time for Paul. He's yeah, so yeah. Joe Connors runs the Elevation School in Leicester. Same with Joe. Again, a lot yeah. of time for him. So, um, you know, there's probably more, like, good teachers around who actually care about your progression more than ever now. I mean, there's still some Mickey Mouse ones. Um, but I think because the British scene is so big now, mm-hmm. you've got, you know, you've got, um, what's the word? You've got something to look at online. You know, when you're searching for a school, you know, who's the teacher? Oh, he's the teacher. And even if you might not have heard of them, you can put their name in and and read all about them. Get the catalog. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and um, I mean, it's one of my, it's one of my proudest achievements as a teacher, you know, that three of my students have gone on to open their own schools, (laughs) you know, so um it, it actually feels quite nice, you know. To I mean, know. you have to have probably one of the most established schools in the UK because you've been around for a long time. Yeah, I, I think establishment is just about time, you know, to be honest, because, you know, take um, James Drake and Zach Gibson, for example. You know, they run Fighting Spirit up in Liverpool, you know, and they're both very established wrestlers. You know, they're signed to NXT now, okay, or NXT UK, whatever one. Um, but as a school... You know, they, they haven't had anyone yet to come out of the school, okay, to make the school look good, you know, because that takes time. You know, you've got to, you got to train up, you've got to get experience, and then you've got to get your name around. You know, that could take that could take five, six, seven, eight years, you know. But then you look at, you look at House of Pain just because it's been around for so long. Um, like I said, like Paul Malin, Joe Connors, you know, signed to NXT UK, you got uh, Gabriel Kids over in New Japan now. Doing amazing work, absolutely yeah. amazing work. Yeah, absolutely awesome. Uh, you got um, female called Kanji, who um, before she broke her arm in November was pretty much uh, picking up every woman's title in every company. <laughs> wow. You know, and um, you know guys like that. You know, not all of them go to that kind of success. You know, but you've got guys like Danny Chase, LJ Heron, um, Diamond Dave, Carl Kingsley. You know, they just, you know, they're everywhere, you know. And the one thing thing I've noticed about you from a a teacher's point of view as well is you're not, you're not guarded of your students. You're not sort of like, well, they're mine. You're not having them. You're the opposite. You're almost like straight onto Instagram or you know, social media and you're saying, oh, yeah. you guys have got to look right. out for these, what, you know, you need to book them. These guys are great guys. And that, yeah, I mean, yeah. when I was around that, that didn't really happen. Everyone kind of was in a little sort of defensive bubble of their own guys and yeah. you know, yeah. didn't really I want think, to pass um, around. And... Yeah. I think a lot of, um, a lot of teachers back then didn't want their students going to other schools because maybe they were worried that they would be told that they've been learning wrong. <laughs> and um yeah yeah pick, see that. Pick up, yeah pick up on the mistakes and stuff like that but um i mean it's not a one-way street you know i really like do as much as i can you know to help out 
the students. But the moment they get their name out there, you know, it suddenly makes the school look good. You know, exactly. it's yeah. like, where were you trained? Oh, I was trained here. Boom. There's another, you know, tick in the box for House of Pain, you know. Um, so they, if, it works well that I can be proud of them, but they can also be proud of where they came from as well. And um, luckily, because I'm an old dog and I've been around for <laughs> like 20 years now or something, um, yeah. you know, if they end up wrestling someone that they've never met before and they and the person says to them, like, where did you train or who trained you? You know, they mention me or the school and instantly they let their guard down. Okay. Like, oh, okay, well, you must be good then, you know, yeah. and you know, stuff like that, you know, works very well for them. You know, I remember uh, Carl Kingsley um, was at a show. I can't remember which one, but um, I think it was Jimmy Havoc, you know, came up to him like, so where did you train kind of thing, <laughs> you know, like uh, <laughs> you know, being a bit of a, you know, snob-nosed vet, so to speak. You know, so where did you train? Where did you come from? It's like, oh, uh, House of Pain sticks. And apparently instantly, oh, cool. Like, yeah. you know, straight away, like, oh, okay, you must be good then, like. Cool, as you were, you know. <laughs> um, You're accepted now, son. Carry on. Yeah, yeah. Like stuff like that, you know, stuff like that feels good, you know, like, um, and it kind of maybe moves them through the ranks a little quicker, or they get opportunities that they might not have got before. You know, however it helps them, you know, is, is it can only be a good thing. You know. Yeah, I mean, when when we wrestled, have we ever heard anyone that's like, yeah, well, they're at House of Pain? There was never a, oh, I'm not sure I want to wrestle this guy. It was like, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not going to sure. be here unless they're good enough to be wrestling. So yeah, I'm I'm sure there are a few out there. They'll say, oh, House of Pain, oh fucking no, all right, but um, they're <laughs> probably don't matter. ones that yeah, <laughs> no one gives a yeah, fuck. Well, they're, probably, they're, they're probably just ones that never really put the time in. You know, yeah. to to earn the time back. You know what I mean? Like I'll always give more time to the people who are putting more time in. Okay, because that's the way it works. You know, yeah. if someone's at training half asking something, you know, then they ask for advice, and I say, well, you've got to be more than half asked. <laughs> like if you want to get to this person's position, and they don't listen and they don't like that kind of advice, then they're going to walk away saying, oh, I asked him for advice once and he didn't give me anything good. You know, he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. It's the way of the world, yeah. though. Yeah, exactly. Something that comes with the um, being a trainer, I suppose, is that, yeah. you know, you've got to realise, I think the problem is with a lot of people, especially when they first start wrestling, is they don't realise that what they're doing, what they watch on telly is something that they these guys have done for years, they've perfected for a long time, and they don't want to go there and they want to have fun. And I'm not yeah. saying you shouldn't have fun, but at the same time, you have someone else's life in your hands. So yeah. Yeah. you have to make sure that what you're doing is safe and you're competent enough to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I always say to everyone, you know, this is a hobby until it turns into a job, you know, and if you're lucky to be one of the ones that can turn it into a job, you know, then great, you know, but you've got to remember that you have loads of other people who would also like to turn it into a job mm. that you're competing with. So the time you put into your hobby is going to be the thing that helps you make it a job, you know? And um, it just confuses me sometimes. Like if I was in a band, you know, 
I was in the band, but um, if um, I was in a band now, you know, would the practice I have, you know, playing the drums or playing the guitar, would the only practice I get being when we're playing on stage? Exactly. You know, yeah, like we're, we're being, example. yeah, we'll, we'll be in the practice room, you know, making it, making it tight. But then I'd also be at home probably playing my instrument by myself, yeah. you know, to get better at it, you know, but not just to get better at it. Pro I, you know, it was my chosen hobby. I probably enjoy it, <laughs> you know, so um, I just don't get people that only do shows, you know, and then they still come up and ask for feedback, but then they're going to put that feedback into practice when they do their next show. You know, they're not going to go away and get to a school and say, well, someone said I need to work on this, you know, so I'm going to work on this here so that when I perform on a show next time, it's better, you know, rather than this, um, I've got to do it live on the night and get better at something. You know, that's impossible when you've got so much else going on around you, you know? Yeah. And what if that feedback is, oh, you need better ring conditioning? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll wait to do that every time I wrestle. That's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to do any better. I'm just. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to go to the gym. We need the gym. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go. I'll go out for a jog once a week. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but um, I think you know, wrestling's about looking a certain way. Okay, it's not necessarily looking completely lean and like an athlete. You know, if that's what you're trying to portray, then that's how you've got to look. You know, but I mean, I, I've got a guy at my school that even though he's lost a ton of weight since he's been there, he still must be around 400 pounds, I think. Wow. wow. You know, um, but he has more heart and drive than 80% of the people there. You know, um, he might not be able to do something, but he'll always do his damnedest and give it a go. Yeah. You know? Like, even when people say, well, you'll never do this, so you don't have to learn it, right? He'll he'll respond with, well, I might not never do it, but I still want to know it, <laughs> you it know? Does. Yeah. And stuff like that really ticks more boxes than someone who's physically gifted that just walks into the school and can do everything first time, you know? Because a lot of the time, that comes along with a cocky attitude that can rub people the wrong way. And, you know, you've got to work with these people. <laughs> I mean, if they're not very fond of you because you're a, a bit of a ass, then, you know, is it actually going to work very well? Yeah. Yeah, I know that feeling oh, too well. <laughs> <laughs> not because I was really good at anything, just because I'm an ass. <laughs> so talking of that, um, can you remember when you very first met Scott I'm guessing the fact that you introduced yourself on this podcast to him and you said, I'm introducing myself unless I've already met you. It'd be very interesting to find out if you can remember where you very first met him. You've met him a very, very long time ago. Oh, do you know the year? I don't know yeah. the year. Um, I'm going to say 2000. Was it, was it EAW? No, no, long before. Was it EAW? No, before EAW, I think, really existed. Yeah. Hmm. You I kind of, feel bad. I kind of feel bad now. <laughs> yeah, I think it was while you were part of, was it Hierarchy with Alex Shane? 
Oh, up, up at Future Shock. Yeah. I think there was it was while you were doing that sort of period of time, which I think was 2004, 2005. Right, right. Bloody hell. <laughs> Come on, Scott. Fill him in. This will be quite an interesting story. It was a long time ago. <laughs> it, it was at um, War, so Wrestling Association of Rugby. War. Um, and I was oh, Fat Santa. Oh, the Christmas show. That was me, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alex Shane ripped me a new arsehole because no I way. kept playing with my beard. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah I, you kept putting your beard in, yeah? Yeah. I think at the time, how old was I? I must have been 13. Yeah, 13, 14. Oh, really? Any older. Yeah, I was, I was very young then, yeah. Wow. Um, and yeah, that you... was my... Um, that, was, that was when I was with my ex-wife. Okay. Who I believe might have valeted us that night. Possibly. I know it was me and Alex against Spud and RJ Singh. Yep. Or Ross Jordan. Right. If he was RJ Singh, then I, I can't remember. Um, and I, I remember Spud hitting me with the frog splash at the finish and just thinking, how can someone so small weigh so much? <laughs> like when he landed on me, it was just, I've, I've, had, like, I've had people three times his size like hit me softer. <laughs> <laughs> like with a splash. He didn't uh, break his fall, he just used you. That's all it was. Oh yeah. Like, no hands, no knees down, just Yeah. Seems to be a common occurrence now, unfortunately. Um it's like he's big, he'll be able to take it. It's like, look, I don't want to take it. <laughs> yeah, I like my ribs. Yeah, so you can still protect me a little bit. <laughs> that's the fun in that. Oh no, that's man, that's a blast from the past. Yeah, that would have been um Christmas 04. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been two thousand and four. Yeah, yeah, because yep. um, it was around the time where Spud started to break out onto the scene a little yep. bit. And his kind of coming out year was 2005, um, when he ended up doing the uh, Coventry Skydome with... Um, I actually have that on DVD. Oh, really? <laughs> I do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> International Showdown. Ah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, the very was first that... one, not the second one. Was that International Showdown? Yeah, it was him, um, Chris Saban. Uh, That's right. Yeah, him, Petey Williams, Chris Saban, and Johnny Storm. That was it. All right, yeah. International show, um, yeah. Someone mentioned that match to me a, a couple of weeks ago as well. I can't remember who, but I just remember it was a real blast from the past. Now, I remember the um, the show before at the Coventry Skydome was the FWA one. I think it was British Uprising 3. And um, he kicked it off in a triple threat with RJ Singh and uh, Aviv Mayan. I know, I have that too. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, I'm sure I've got these knocking about somewhere in here. Someone with Terry Funk on it. Yes. Yes, it is. Because uh, that was when, like, for us, because you used to get... Um... Oh, what was the wrestling show, the, the TV channel called? Oh, um... WrestleTalk, wasn't it? Like... No, 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 before WrestleTalk. WrestleTalk. Oh really? It, the the wrestling channel uh, on, on Sky. I think it was just called the Wrestling Channel. Was it, it may may well have been. I think yeah. that when you first started seeing like FWA would have shows put on there. Yeah. And it was yeah. just like, whoa, these guys are British. This uh, is like yeah. an American show, and I'm seeing it on telly. This is bizarre. That was the start of the yeah. kind of upward motion. I think. Yeah. Um, it was just the right group of guys, you know, at that time. You know, they could hang with the um, 
the Americans that everyone was watching on these um, traded videotapes and DVDs. And um, suddenly we had our own crop now. You yeah, know. I mean, you had Jody Fleisch and Johnny Storm and R.O.H. and just going up yeah. there and ripping it up. And everyone's just like, who are these guys? It's still uh, their match at uh, CZW is still my favourite Cruiserweight match ever. <laughs> that 720 DDT, I, I remember watching that over and over again when I was younger because it was just like, <laughs> I want to be Jody Fleisch. I, I went to the point where, like, my... Uh, my trousers were tucked into my kick pads. I did the whole <laughs> the whole thing. It was like, I've got to do acai moonsaults everywhere. I can't come down to the ring in a normal way. Yeah. <laughs> there has to be flips involved you somewhere. Uh, I, th- I can't remember the last time I've seen him. If you see, if you, if you go and look online now, like he is massive. He's packed on probably another 20 pounds oh, yeah. of muscle. Yeah, I mean, he was pretty big last time I seen him. He yeah. was, um, he was, because he, he he retired. That's right. And then he come back, and when he come back, he was a, a hell of a lot larger than he yeah. was before. He can still move just like he used to as well. It's yeah, crazy, it's isn't insane. It? Well, it's like oh, when yeah. you um, so many great memories back, mate. You really have. <laughs> <laughs> when you put um, Pack uh, Adrian Neville, um, you know, you see him when he first broke out, and he was like skinny as hell. Yeah. We watched him when he was just doing the backyard stuff. You know, he used to have that little, he used to have a show where it was just some mats and a, and a, a jump horse from gymnastics. Yeah. I can't remember what, what was the name of it. He had a, and he used to release a lot of his, um, like do music videos around him. Do you remember like MD oh, really? thing, weren't they? Like lots of, uh, before you could really get proper wrestling on the yeah. television, the indie you stuff. Jump on Kazar and do your MVs. And, uh, Every day he, looking for the new ones. Yeah. And then you watch him now and you just think, how? Like, what? Yeah. Absolute tank. And he can still do it all as yeah. well. That's the bit that I can't understand. Is it's like you've you're probably what I don't know, forty pounds heavier than you were before of solid muscle and you can probably move better than you could yeah. when you were skinny. I yeah. think it's more um like things like gymnastics training kind of teach you to really control your body, but because you're putting your body under so much kind of strain your muscles. Like they're just growing naturally. Yeah. And as long as you, I mean, don't stop doing it, put 40 pounds of muscle on and then assume you can still do it, you know, but if you're doing it whilst you're putting the muscle on, I think your body just adapts. Yeah. Mm. I think that's my problem is that I, you know, I've stacked on a good amount of size compared to what was before. Yeah. But I, sometimes I think, could I go back to wrestling? Could I do it? And I think, Oh, I think I'd be really good if I went back and done it. Yes. If I spent, yeah. 10 seconds in the ring, I'd be on the floor gasping for air. <laughs> it's like, I'm about, what, 350 pounds? I could probably beat you in a conditioning workout. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Pound for pounds, strength-wise? Yeah. Questionable. But conditioning-wise, yeah, you're definitely... I've Just because I've not done it, I've had no reason to be conditioned anymore. It's just yeah. lift weights and get big. Well, not big. I mean, I only weigh, what... 79 kilos 80 kilos that kind of mark but yeah i just i look back at it and i just think mm, yeah well, we, I think I'd do it and then i'll be like yeah i remember the reason why i stopped <laughs> we I saw the- a lot of that after the uh, first lockdown you know because i mean some of the drills that i run at the school they're not exactly they're not easy you know uh-huh. we've done them <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? One of the worst drills we ever did was Gabriel Kidd. 
we went to an LCD training at LCW when it was still around. And um, we went and he did the class because Joe was uh, busy as he was, you know, he's crazy busy at the moment. Well, at the moment, it was many years ago, but I think it was just kind of as the NXT stuff was sort of starting to build up a little bit or just happened. Yeah. It was uh, post the uh, tournament, just post the first tournament. Yes, you're correct. It was. It was just after the tournament. And, um, oh, mate, I couldn't even make it past his warm up, let alone the, the whole class. What was it? It was 600 air squats? Yeah, you basically got everyone in the class to do 10 squats. And then as it, as you did it, you had to then pass it on to the next person. So everyone yeah. had to count 10. Well, I mean, um, over time, I think Gabe got very inspired by the Japanese like yep. way of warming up. Um, the thing is with me, like I've got a good side and a bad side. Okay. Because when you come to wrestling school, to me, you can do squats at home. You can do push-ups at home, okay? So I'm not going to calisthenic you into the ground, you know? I'll do a few. You can do a few to get your legs warm and just to get your blood going, okay? But all of my drills are based around wrestling movements, okay? Because that is the thing that you can only do at a wrestling school. I mean, you try doing that down pure gym, you'll probably get banned. You know, if you try uh, deadlifting at Pure Gym, you probably get banned. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like I think uh, guys like Joe and Gabe, you know, because of where they wanted to go or where they did end up, you know, they were brought in for a specific reason, you know, to give the people who might also want to go that route maybe a bit of a shock as to how much effort you need to put in to get to that. You know, now I say, obviously, you can do the, the squats at home, the push ups at home, and stuff. It's, you know, obviously, whether you do or not, yeah. you know. And we've got we've got a fully kitted out gym at the school, you know. If anyone needs any help, because a lot, you know, a lot of trainees, when they first start, they've got anxiety issues, you know, they're quite a bundle of nerves. So, walking into any gym, you know, is quite a nerve wracking experience. Okay, mainly if you don't know what you're doing, you know, yeah. it's not like everyone's looking at you, especially if it's um, like losing weight, you know, you feel like everyone's looking at you, like laughing at you, like, oh, that, that guy doesn't know what he's doing, you know. So um, I'll take him into the gym and I'll, I'll show him what to do. You know, I'll take him through like the proper form and stuff like that. And essentially say to them, you can train in this gym for as long as you want to, okay, until you are comfortable to go to a gym nearer to your house, you know? And I don't charge them or anything for it. You know, I just want them to start training because I know it will benefit them mentally. I know it will benefit them and make them better at this chosen hobby that they want to do. And again, like it, it goes both ways. You know, if they're, you know, not in great shape and they get a show or a match outside of the school, you know, I want them to stand out. I want them to look good. You know, I want them to, yeah. um, I want people to look and go, man, that guy's in good shape. Or, you know, that guy's got a great gas tank or whatever it is, you know, um, you know, stuff like that matters, especially nowadays, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting you've said that because literally the whole reason we started this podcast was for that specific reason. So we realized that when you go to a gym, that although you may have um, an induction, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are confident in what you're doing. And yeah. there might be exercises that you, you're you not sure about, or there may be routines you're not sure about. 
So the whole point of us starting this was that so people could ask these questions to us mm-hmm. without having to feel judged. And we can say, you know, we can give them what advice we know. Normally we have uh, Chris with us who couldn't make it tonight, but he's a uh, qualified uh, personal trainer. So he obviously can give specific advice to what to do. But it's, it's quite interesting that you've kind of took that approach to sort of say, you know, I understand where you guys are coming from and yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to guide you. And, and once you're confident enough, you can go off and do this wherever you want to. Cause I just don't think that happens anymore. I just think that people get very nervous going into a gym. It's very hard for someone to ask a question because they think, Oh, I'm going to look stupid if I ask this question. Yeah, sure. But I think the realism is that pretty much everyone's in that boat at some point. And if you're there lifting with somebody else or with someone you've never met, you're in there for the same reason. Mm-hmm. There's, there's maybe yeah. A, you know, 0.1% of people who are going to be in there who are going to be arrogant assholes and don't want to help you. Um, but I would say most yeah. people would be more than happy to just be like, look, you know, if you want me to help you, I can show you how to do it. If you, if you don't want me to, that's fine as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't think most people are in, in there to judge, but especially yeah. with a wrestling school, you know, you're going into somewhere where there's some big intimidating guys and you think it's going to be as scary as shit until you get to know these guys and you think, well, they're just yeah. guys. They're not, it's these, um, these personas you see online they're just yeah, a guy yeah. it's funny you should say that because i've always found that the nicest guys or or ladies um in the gym are in the in the spit and sawdust gyms you yeah. know and they're the ones that to an outsider are probably the most intimidating ones to go into 100%. you know you go into a pure gym or a or a gym group yeah and no one will even bat an eyelid at you you know, you'll ask, oh, um, you know, can I jump in on you? You know, can I jump in with you on a set? Or, uh, you know, how how can I get this part of my body bigger or whatever it is? And they either won't know or they won't give you the time of day or they'll charge you for it, you yeah. know? Whereas I think a lot of the people that go to those spit and sawdust type gyms really appreciate where they started, you know? And they just like the fact that you're in there asking questions you know, because they probably ask the same questions to someone one day. Yeah, and they're in there with exactly the same passion you've got, and that's yeah. fitness. And and that's kind of what we wanted to do with this, was try and bring a community together of people to be able to come and feel comfortable cool. to ask questions. And, and what we like about the fact that we've got you on, for example, as our first guest, is you have a sporting background, you also run a gym. So you understand exactly the, the sort of things that people will come across and, and the, you know, the issues. I know you've had a few yeah. students in the past who have really struggled with um, anxiety around other people and, and wrestling and being in the gym has, has made a difference to those kind of people. And that's what we want to encourage. We want to encourage more and more people to get involved yeah. in physical fitness because what it does for your mind as well as your body is is massive. Well, I mean, um, 2000, before I started wrestling and before I started training in the gym, I was a completely different person to what I am now, you know? Um, I've struggled with those issues, maybe not as much as some people, you know, but I've seen how much it's helped me. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that in the, say, 19, 20 years that I've been training, uh, the first eight or nine of those years, I really didn't know what I was doing. You know, I did, you know, the, the effort was there, you know, <laughs> but the, uh, the knowledge maybe wasn't, you know. And uh, when we were back at the Notts County ground, you know, when the wrestling school was at the Notts County football ground, there was a personal trainer there. Like we had a wrestling room and he had the room next door and that was his personal training room. 
and he kind of took me under his wing a little bit and almost made me like a um his <laughs> his uh what do you call it like I was going to say pet monkey, but that's probably the, the wrong word. <laughs> um, I know what you mean. Yeah, like his trial monkey. Like <laughs> you know. you're, you're a project to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, he taught me a lot of like the proper training techniques, you know, and things that would make me better athletically, you know. And it was then that I realized that the only thing that makes that makes you better in the gym a lot of the time is is knowledge. You know, it's like anything, you know, you have to study, you know, you have to find out uh, what you're doing. You know, yeah. I mean, I can't drive, for example, you know, so if I just got into a car right now, I can't be angry with myself that I don't know how to drive this car. You know, someone's got to tell me how to drive this car and then I've got to trial driving the car you know, over and over again, maybe with a few bumps, maybe with a few crashes in there, you know, but eventually... I'll know more about it, you know, and that's essentially what happened from say probably about 2009 um, on to probably about 2014. Okay, I was I was kind of going by that method, like I know what to do now. Um, I know different ways of doing it, you know, and I'm getting really good results out of it. But then when I stopped wrestling, okay, um, for those 15 months. I really almost like I went from driving the car to um, studying how to build the car. Oh, okay. Know? Right. Yeah. Okay. And that was like phase three as far as, as, as training and working out uh, really kind of going in depth with, you know, different techniques and different splits and different ways, you know, you can use the equipment, okay, at different angles and stuff like that. You know, I really took um, a deep dive into it, you know, which is why now I, I think I've always wanted to be a PT, you know, and I always wanted to be a PE teacher, <laughs> you know. So with what I do now, I kind of have the best of both, okay, yeah. and, it throws, and it throws in the wrestling side as well, okay, which is the other thing I always wanted to be. And... Um, my ex-wife always, uh, when I wanted to be a PT, when I wanted to study to be a PT, she all she always put me off the idea, you know. So um, I listened to her, and I never went that way. And then when when we split up, I was too kind of immersed in the wrestling side of things to have the time to do that sort of thing. Um, but I think that's always kind of stayed with me that I really wanted to do that you know, for the reason of, you know, what we've been talking about. Yeah. And, you know, I always say to people, look, I'm not qualified or anything like that. I'm just a guy who has been training for 19 years in different phases of my life. I can tell you what it's done for me, yeah. you know, but uh, you don't have to take what I say as gospel. You know, what you've got to do is maybe listen to me a little bit at first, and then you've got a trial and error you know, what is best for you, okay? And then you've got to read up on things, you know, and find yeah. out, like, how you work out, you know? Yeah. And that's why I think it's a lot like wrestling in the sense of, like, we're not all wrestling the same. You know, we don't all look the same. We don't wrestle the same. We don't act the same, okay? So if we if we go into the gym and we only do the same exercises exactly the same way, then we're all going to end up looking the same, 
you know, and, you know, you guys know you train differently to get different results, you know, like the, um, the 400 pound guy that I was telling you about earlier, you know, he doesn't want to necessarily slim down. Okay. I mean, he will naturally because he's gone from not working out at all to working out three times a week and doing two wrestling classes a week, you know, so that kind of exercise, you're naturally just going to lose weight. Okay. Because you're, you're moving more, but um, he is eventually, I think he's going to look a bit like Umaga, for example. Okay. That kind of power, you know, got a good engine may not look like their, uh, you know, the, the typical, sort of 90s style wrestler, but got that sort of power, yeah, yeah. good engine, ready to go kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. Imagine go, those kind of builds, those kind of... Yeah. yeah, so I mean, I'm saying to him, you know, maybe don't um, don't focus on things like, um, I don't know, like side raises, you know, and um, yeah, and stuff like that. Like stick with the compound lifts, okay? Yeah, squat, like, bench, go, deadlift, overheads, yeah. you know, get that power. Yeah, go heavy. Um, Maybe go heavy, you know, three weeks out of the four. And then just for that one week, kind of deload a little bit, yeah. you know, and go for repetitions and then go back to heavy, you know, kind of give your body a bit of a break, you know, on the on the heavy strain, you know, but still get some work in, you know, and then go back to heavy again for, you know, a couple of weeks. But yeah, he's, he's feeling that. I think he's lost... Um, I mean, lockdown, unfortunately, the first one wasn't very kind to him, you know, because he'll he'll admit that he's a comfort eater, okay? And he wasn't able to get down to the gym to train. So over the previous year, he had probably lost about three or four stone, probably. And when he came back, I think he'd put two of those stone back on. Um, And now, once again... You know, he's, he's trying to knock that two stone off so he can pick up where he left off. But he's still two stone down more than he was before. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's the other thing that people don't look at when they look at a fitness thing is that, you know, it isn't it isn't a graph that goes like this. It's mm. a graph that goes like this. Yeah, and, and that's the point. Is The point is that every time you're doing something, you're making yourself better. You're progressing that little bit. It might not be where you were two weeks ago, but it's better than you were yesterday. Yeah. Hundred percent. Let's say yeah, for me, you know, absolutely. I'm someone that's suffering. I mean, the, from, the uh... thing I worry about. Sorry, go sorry, ahead. go on, Scott. Okay, <laughs> yeah, just for me, for my oh. background, you know, I've um, suffered from anxiety and eating disorders and stuff like that growing up. You know, I I, I was um, two hundred kilo and I dropped down to eighty kilo, and at the minute I'm sitting around about wow. one fifty, one sixty, um, and that's all just because of you know sort of mental health issues. And it's yeah. Yeah, getting in the gym and just making it so simple with the compound movements and having that plan and having that escape, it can just help so much with your mental health. And that's like yeah. the thing that we kind of try and focus on. I think, um, <clears throat> I mean, um, I've, never, I've, I've never really kind of suffered from anything like mental health wise, for example. Um, so some people would think that I'm not. I, I don't know what they go through. You know what I mean? But because so many of the students, you know, come from that background and I've been working with them for so long, you know, you do pick things up, you know. Yeah. And the one thing that is universally true is a good workout where you've pushed yourself and you've achieved something, okay, will never make you feel bad. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. Very, very true. <laughs> I think um, as well, like from, um, I mean, our, a lot of, I don't know what, we'll get into your training and sort of routine in a minute, Sticks, just to see sort of where you come from, from a uh, conditioning side of things, as well as the strength building side of things. But a majority of the, the time we stick to pretty heavy, but low amount of reps. So, you know, I do a lot of um, hybrid training as it was. So a lot of the time we, I always start with a good compound movement and then I move on to a hypertrophy style of training just to complement what I've already done. So, so for example, if I do bench, I'll do a lot of cable crossovers. I'll do, you know, press push-ups, all those sort of things. Yeah. Um, but when you're doing those compound movements, especially if you're new to the gym or um, for example, a bit like Scott, where, you know, you struggled a little bit with your mental health with, the compound movements is it's so easy to see progression. Whereas I think when you just concentrate on hypertrophy and, um, you know, going on the treadmill and, and concentrating on those numbers on the scale, you get put off so quickly because you don't realize that that's actually something that's going to take you many, many years to yeah. achieve what you want to. Whereas at least with the compound movement, when you're only doing three or four reps every week, yeah. you might be like, do you know what? I've gone up one and a half kilos. I've gone up two and a half kilos. I've gone up 10 kilos. I've gone up 20 kilos every week you're hitting a target you didn't hit last week. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I think um, at this point in my life, um, I'm kind of going the other, the other way. You know, um, it's very rare that I'll do like the five sets of five kind of routine, for example. Um, but I've always found that wrestling, especially like from my own personal perspective, um, you, there's three things that you've got to train for, you know, like you want to be strong because you don't want to risk dropping someone, you know, when you're in the ring, for example, but then you need endurance as well, because sometimes you'll be, you know, in a six minute match and sometimes you'll be in a 25 minute match, you know, and you'll never be able to tell until you turn up at the show most of the time. So you've got to be ready for anything, but then you want to look good as well you know you're going out in front of people you know the whole presentation factor you know you want to you know um you just want to feel good and look good okay um and you know from my experience that's training for like three completely different things you know <laughs> it's um, quite funny we literally had this discussion the other day it's like being yeah. a wrestler isn't uh you know you, you need to be conditioned like a boxer yeah you need to be strength trained like a strong man and you know you then need the the bodybuilding aesthetics that you would yeah. get yeah. doing bodybuilding. It's it's a, yeah. it's a very strange combination. Well, I mean, um, I'm quite lucky because obviously being the wrestling teacher as a job and having the gym at the school that I've kind of kitted out with equipment that I personally want to use, and then everyone else can use it if they want to. Um, I mean, I'm not having anyone come into the gym and say, "Oh, you don't have this." you know i don't have it because i don't want it yeah i'll be like well go to, you know get your ass to a gym where they do have one there yeah. <laughs> you know. um take notes but, uh, yeah, i mean i'm pretty sure you have a power rack so that's fine by me <laughs> i mean i'm i'm able to train uh six days a week now uh just because i'm at the school every day anyway so what i do is um i just keep it down to movements like it's push ball legs, push ball legs, and they'll take a day off. Okay. Or I'll do push ball legs, day off, and then push ball legs again, day off. Um, and by doing that, 
because I get in two push days, two pull days and two leg days a week, um, I can really mix up what I, what I work yeah. with, you know, as far as the sets I'm doing, the reps I'm doing, um, the style, you know, of the exercise that I'm doing, for example, um, it was leg day today, so I'm glad I'm sitting down. And <laughs> it'll probably be a lot harder to stand up up. Condolences uh, for your, your quads. <laughs> and um, like my last leg day, I do this routine that I got from uh, Athlinex. On, yeah, um, yeah, I do love that guy. Yeah, he's he's one of my uh, one of my workout gurus at the minute. Um, I keep forgetting his name though. Um, Jason Cavalier. <laughs> it's at the beginning of every video, is what's up, guys? Jeff Cavalier. I mean, I said Jeff Cavalier. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you have and, to go um, through the intro to get the name. <laughs> this is leg routine. He's a big wrestling fan too, right? <laughs> he is. Yeah, that's yeah. actually that's actually how I found him because he trained uh, Sting for his WrestleMania. Oh wow, he did. Yeah, and I think he's done some work with like Sheamus and uh, a few other guys that kind of just drop in every now and then. Yeah, yeah. And um, the thing I always liked about the Sting video was he was talking not just about the exercises that Sting was doing. He was talking about how his age and his injury kind of prone body, you know, um, after years of throwing himself around, it presents a challenge for him to be able to train him the best way, you know. And that that's what I mean uh, when I took the time out from wrestling, how I really started to kind of study you know, the, the aspects of working out. Um, it was that video that actually um, got my mind going a little bit, you know, because dare I say, in a few years, I might be in the same position. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, uh, never. <laughs> never. You'll be squatting until you're 80, mate. You'll be fine. Oh, God. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the leg routine I did on, what would it have been? What's today? Friday. So, it would have been maybe Monday or Tuesday. Um you take the two compound movements, okay? So it would have been back squats and stiff leg deadlifts, okay? And you start heavy on squats and you do five reps, then you do another five reps, then you lower the weight and do 10 reps, then you lower the weight and do 20 reps, okay? Oh. So I think with that, with that, you get the power first, then you get like the middle ground, and then you get like real fatigue, like at the end. And then you do the stiff leg deadlifts the other way. So you start with the 20, then you go to 10, then you do five, then you do five, you know? So the compound movements, um, that's like my first like day of the week, whatever movements, the back ones are killer because you, you're, um, you're doing it with uh, deadlifts and uh, chin-ups a lot of the time, you know? So doing 20 chin-ups is... Uh, <laughs> Not not an easy feat. I don't think I can actually do 20 chin-ups. Yeah, it's all right. I put the band under it. <laughs> I right. do exactly the same. <laughs> that helps me out a little bit. I just think I'm way too much to be able to, for yeah. my little puny arms to be able to be pulling me up. I always just do negatives. Ah, yes. <laughs> <Like> half reps. <laughs> and then the, the chest is uh, flat bench and dips. You know? Oh, nice. Yeah. So you um, you take like the, the two kind of main movements that most people would say, you know, for those body parts. Uh, sometimes I, I take out the deadlifts and do um, uh, T-bar rows, like with the bars between yeah. your legs. Yeah. You know, um, 
you know, 20, 10, 5, 5. Uh, but either way, you know, those workouts are starting off with two kind of solid, you know, exercises. Yeah. And you really feel it because, you get, like I said, you get a little bit of power, a little bit of hypertrophy and, you know, a lot of uh, endurance, like with the 20 at the end. Uh, but then because I do another day uh, that week, I can mix up the exercises that I do. I don't necessarily have to worry about, oh, I haven't done back squats this week because I know I have, you know. Yeah. So today, um, what did I do? I did front squats. I did um, ball bridges on the Swiss ball. You know, when, oh, you, yeah, yeah. when you roll and it really hits your hamstrings. Yeah. But um, I've got quite good at them now, so I do them one-legged. <laughs> so, oh, all right, you show off. <laughs> my, my, my other leg's pointed to the sky as I'm rolling the ball in. And um, my friend uh, Max, uh, who has a gym in his garden, because like, he's a PT, it's all um, covered over with like a big marquee. You know, and he only lives down the road. So uh, since professional sports people are still allowed to train you know at this point um i think after 19 years i can claim to be a professional you know in, <laughs> in what i do so he can actually pt me or even um just let me use his gym and pretend he's pt me just so yeah. we can have a chat and um he actually introduced me to an exercise that i'd not done before on my legs and that's uh, sissy squats oh yeah yeah and um like I'm a big advocator of as many exercises that I can do stood up, you know, is a good thing. You know, yeah. even with, um, even with bench press, I hate the fact that I have to lie down, you know, <laughs> you know <That's> it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it, I almost feel like lazy kind of lying there. Like I could be moving more, you know, yeah. I, could, I, could be, I could be making this more athletic. You can, we can put the bench on a treadmill if you'd rather you can move your legs around. <laughs> Um, and uh, when it comes to legs, you know, I used to do the leg press, for example, you know, and maybe shy away from the squats, you know, and now the leg press is non-existent and the squats are always there. You know, I used to sit and do the uh, leg extensions, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, now they're pretty much non-existent, you know, and income um, things like lunges a bit more, you know. Yeah. And um, I love working uh, side to side um, instead of just back and forward. So doing things like side lunges where you're going almost into like uh, Shawn Michaels pose. Yeah. You know, back up. Up, you know, and going the other way and then getting the resistance band around your legs and taking like little steps back and forward. Yeah. You know, it really burns up the side of your side of your legs. And um uh, yeah, I'd, I'd never just never done sissy squats before, and he doesn't even have a rack like the way you um, attach your feet. It was just a bar against the cage. You rest your your calf muscles against the bar, you know, and you just you sit into it. Back, yeah, and then stand yeah, up. Yeah. yeah, that burn you feel is a different type of burn, right? Yes, it really is, and I'm feeling that burn currently. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that's sort of similar to like when I was. Um, when I was training a lot during lockdown, um, I would always start with squats, work up, do three sets of three or five sets of five. But I always go straight off that into a superset. So what I would always do is then bring the weight right back down, maybe like 60, 70 kilos, not a lot. 
it would always be sure. front squat straight into narrow stance squat and then straight into lunges so it'd be 10 10 and 10 <laughs> that was some burn i tell you that was yeah. like you know when you get to yeah. the point where you can you could throw a penny off your leg and it's going to hit the ceiling that's kind of that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean yeah actually talking about um kind of triple triple stack um supersets for example like you just said um I actually got a really good one from uh, Dana Lynn Bailey, um, oh, yeah. like Miss Olympia. She's essentially my wife's, one of my wife's idols, along with Wonder Woman. And um, <laughs> so, I think Rob um, Bailey might be one of my Wonder idols. Wonder Woman's a little bit harder to get hold of these days, I'll be honest. <laughs> we could just get the actress. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, she, um, she said she always had a problem with her upper chest, you know, and um, this is basically the stage I was at around 2010, you know, where I was training, but I really didn't know what I was doing. And unfortunately, I was when I was training my chest, I was hitting my shoulders too much. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah getting more front yeah, out in there than you I didn't know how to isolate the chest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I started to learn about it more, obviously, you know, when, you know, during like the... Uh, 2010, 2005, uh, 2010 to 15 time. And um, I saw her do this one where she's doing just 10 incline bench uh, with dumbbells. So you can squeeze them together at the top. Okay. And then it goes on to 10 of the uh, plate raises, but you only go from like front chest diagonal and you're just pushing the plate with your hands yeah 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 i know exactly like about, the yeah. whole time and then when i got off, when i got off jeff cavalier was the um the uh dumbbell raise you know where you're bringing it across your body and you're trying to get your elbow in line with your stern and um you can obviously do those single arm and i've seen people do them on the cables like yeah. in the gym but uh being able to actually go across the center line you know really really get you that squeeze like on the muscles and it really hits like the inner upper chest so i just started doing that as like a triple superset and then i started just making up my own yeah, <laughs> yeah I things mean, that's, and it's um, almost exactly what lockdown did was just i mean i've always had a really weak chest so i've never had um, I've never had a full chest. I've never had a big chest. I've always wanted, you yeah. know, that, that nice crease you get down the center. And yeah. it never existed. It never existed until lockdown started. Yeah. And then it was, it, I did exactly the same. So I would always start with a flat flat bench. So it would always be the same. It'd be like three by three, five by five. But then I would always superset from cables. So I'd always go cables high, mid, low, superset each one with press ups. And then go straight outside and do dips on the very last one to make sure that every angle of that chest is being hit and that seemed to be what worked for me yeah, yeah. just to just you know the volume worked for me as opposed yeah. to just the pressing yeah there was there was two things that i wanted when it came to my chest i wanted the triple h disc yeah <laughs> you know it was just like one big muscle <laughs> with the, the really defined um underneath bit and I wanted what I called the Brock Lesnar line. The, yeah. the half line across the chest? Yeah. 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 Like when he um, when he won the, the title the first time. 
and he's he's just pulled it down like the line just shot across his chest and i was like oh my god what's that and um <laughs> i've got the i've got the line now all right but um if i want the the more defined kind of under chest i'm gonna have to lean up yeah and, i think uh, there may be some other things bit. you need there yeah. not just to lean up. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you look at Triple H now, it's probably I, I, more than been... what you'll get. Yes. <laughs> well, I've always been quite lucky in like the genetic side of things. You know, I've been lucky that I can not have the cleanest of diets, you know, and still uh, build muscle quite easily. I mean, how, how big are you just for our listeners? Because obviously on screen now, you look the same size as the rest of us, but Ooh. I can assure you this guy um, is not the same. Weight wise, I always hover between 17 and 18. What really? Seventeen and eighteen? Did you just say? Yeah, weight wise, I always hover between seventeen and eighteen. And how so, tall are you? Uh, six one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, especially in wrestling, when they lift me up, they say, "Oh, I thought you, I thought you were going to weigh way more than that." <laughs> you know, I'm like, "What are you trying to say?" <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just really good at jumping, um, but. Um, yeah, you know, I've stayed at that weight uh, for a while now. Um, there was a time I dropped down to like the uh, the early 16s and I felt very lean. Yeah. But then um, I've always taken what I call the Rampage Brown approach. You know, in everyone in this country in wrestling seems to be leaning down. You know, they want that kind of six pack and the, uh, the yeah. defined shoulders, even if it comes to the detriment of not looking intimidating anymore. Yeah. You know? I'm with you, yeah. Yeah, I've always preferred, you know, guys like Arn Anderson, for example, it's who you could exactly. tell went to, yeah, you could tell he went to the gym, but it wasn't the be all end all, you know, and it still looked like if you got into it in a bar, it it kick your ass. Yeah. You know? Um rather than, you know, check if, if if an eighth ab is coming through you know after the match like <laughs> yeah. and um that was, that was yeah there was quite a few sorry go on yeah there was, there was quite a few heavyweights in the country but um you know me and rampage brown were always the two that was just kind of big <laughs> you know <laughs> And whenever we, whenever we wrestled each other, I think people looked like, wow, the, this is going to be a scrap. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, that, that's, the, that's the wrestler. That's the wrestler that I portray, you know, it's like a, it's like a scrappy um, powerhouse, you know? Yeah. I mean, I remember so, the very um, first time I met you, at, um, I think it was an EAW show. I think I first met you. Um, and I was genuinely thinking, shit. I've got to wrestle with this guy and he's uh, <laughs> a fucking big dude. I'd never met you before. I'd never spoke to you. All I'd seen is the way you look and the size of you. And I'm thinking, Oh, this is, this ain't going to be good. He ain't going to want to do much. I'm five foot six. I'm lucky if I weigh 12 stone. <laughs> and you weren't, you were like a massively supportive of anything we wanted to do. There was nothing you were like, I mean, it was me, you and Massa. I think it was that um, very first of all, the only time I think I wrestled with you actually. Yeah, I remember. And uh, I was the bad guy. Weirdly, so the smallest dude in the room is against. I mean, the mass is a big guy. Yeah, and, uh, against you and uh, you and him, and I'm thinking, oh, how's this dynamic going to work? It's going to be a bit <laughs> odd. Uh, so we just done the kind of feared 
champion that I'll stay out of the way and just let you guys kind of beat on each other. But I was like shocked. I was like, hang on, this guy's like, you're really nice. He's, he's not intimidating. He's, you know, he's willing to listen to what you want to do. He doesn't just shut you down. Yeah. yeah I, mean, it, I was um, shocked. I think it's utterly ridiculous. You know, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, you've got to stand up for yourself and you've got to, you know, at a certain level, you feel like you've commanded respect rather than demanded it. Yeah. You know, um, you know, if, if someone disrespects you, you know, then that's a different thing, you know. But when it comes to wrestling, I've just never understood why anyone would try and act hard. You know, like even if they are hard, you know, mm. like oh, great, they'll be they'll be great in a bar fight, you know. But we're not in a bar fight. We're wrestling in tights and baby oil in front of <laughs> in front of families. Do you know what? Someone used to always say to me, like, yeah. oh, I wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of you. And I'm like, A, we pretend to fight. We get paid to pretend to fight. I'm not going to go around doing it for free. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to really fight yeah. somebody, but I might really get hurt. <laughs> At least I know what I'm doing when I'm wrestling. Yeah. I don't want to get hurt. I've got a show tomorrow. Well, that's, the, that's the change in wrestling. That's yeah, the change it, in wrestling now. You know, I think someone said, um, you know, it used to be the case where we'd take care of each other and, um, every, you know, people thought it was fake and we were trying to convince them that it was, you know, it wasn't, you know, and it was a bit real, you know. And now they know it's a show and we're beating the crap out of each other like it is real. <laughs> <laughs> This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, I have seen some. Other yeah, it, it's recently. Well, can you imagine, like, you know, if um, I don't know Jason Statham and you know Sylvester Stallone in the Expendables, you know, turned around to each other and said, "Well, you know, there'll be people in the cinema, you know, who think this is just a film, okay? So let's beat the crap out of each other." You know, and, and make them think it's real. You know, I mean, like, how ridiculous does that sound? <laughs> it does, but in all fairness, Sylvester Stallone really looks like he's lived those Rocky films. <laughs> oh yeah, didn't, didn't it he? It looks like he had every fight. Yeah, he got yeah. A rib broken by Dolph Lundgren, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. It was actually, yeah, um, yeah it was like a uh, something to do with his sternum, I think. Oh wow! Like he told he told Lundgren to lay it in. Basically. And um, I mean. <laughs> With, with what we're doing in wrestling, you know, we, we are essentially doing like a Hollywood fight stick, you know, and they will be some matches where you have to give more of your body, you know, to the scene or to the match, you know, because it's been built up to or it's an important match in the eyes of the fans, you know, but you'll, you'll have the understanding with your opponent, you know, like, you know, let's, let's make it look snug, okay? still take care of each other, but, you know, people are going to be expecting a certain presentation here, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you know that going in, but um, I've just never understood. Like, I've always taken from, say, Kurt Angle, okay, who legitimately could probably have, you know, 99% of the WWE roster, you know? And look what he was doing on TV, you know? Uh, yeah. There was a point where he was wearing a, a kid's cowboy hat, you know, and or, or, or the toupee with the wrestling wig, yeah. the wrestling thing over the top of it, like yeah. Absolutely. You know. I'm a sexy cat. Yeah, I'm yep. a sexy cat. Oh, yeah. 
But then, yeah, like two two weeks after he sang that sexy Kurt song, he went in and proved just how good he was against Michaels at WrestleMania. Yeah, you know, and suddenly it's like, well, he, he can really do both. You know yeah. what I mean? And you know, it, it's entertainment at the end of the day. You know, and people have to remember that. Um, and if they want to do real wrestling, you know, then you can enter the league where they do real wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> And you'll yeah. soon realise why you don't want to be doing that. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, and, and some people have, you know. I mean, I've got all the respect in the world for people that cross over. You know, they say, you know, I'm an entertainer here, but I want I, I want something a bit more. Hmm. And they go into legitimate combat, you know. Yeah. And a lot of these guys are, you know, established athletes before they go into pro wrestling. You know, they've yeah. got a massive amateur background or they were jujitsu fighters or any of those sort of things. They don't just go into wrestling and fall into it. A lot of them are legitimately you know, top sports guys in, in yeah. other fields. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think the, the, the kind of standard bearer for athleticism is probably Brock. I mean, the fact that he was a collegiate wrestler on a national level, you know, then he came in and kind of took to pro wrestling like a Dr. Water you know, with his freaky strength and athleticism, you know, and then he, he left to play football that he hadn't played since school. And he, he was almost drafted to the NFL, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know, how crazy is that? And then he goes into MMA and actually pretty much dominates it and becomes one of the biggest draws of all time. You know, we can't all be Brock though. No, no. I mean, uh, Rogan went on on record to say that if um, he'd gone straight from the NCAA into MMA, he would have probably been the most, if not the most, dominant guy who had ever stepped into a ring in yeah. in wrestling. And that's coming from someone who, well, for, in MMA, sorry, in UFC, and that's coming from yeah. someone who doesn't take a lot, like you know, needs a lot of convincing when it comes to wrestlers going in. I mean, obviously, he watched CM Punk go in, and he was just like, yeah, he's you know. He's yeah. way past his age for wanting to be getting into this anyway. But again, hats off to the guy for wanting to go in and get his face smashed by some guys who are in their prime. Yeah. I mean, I, I've i got a lot of time for it, though. You know, he wanted yeah, to do something. I agree. He wasn't just talking about it. He just shut up and did it, you know. Yeah. Fail or succeed, you know. Uh, other people wouldn't have even had the balls to do it, you know. Um you do bring up a good point, though. Like, it always makes me wonder that if you, if UFC or MMA was as uh, big as it is now, you know, which wrestlers wouldn't have gone into wrestling? You know, which would have gone into the, the MMA route? You know, I'm pretty sure um, someone like Shelton Benjamin, for example, you know, could have done very well for himself. Um, I believe Steve Austin has said, mm. you know, that he might have gone that route. Yeah. You know, had it been more of an option back then, you know, would Undertaker even be, you know, Undertaker? You yeah, know, he's yeah. tickled with the idea, hasn't he? And yeah, yeah. We've got Jack Swagger now as well, who's doing really well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he just won his second or third Bellator match. So, I mean, he's yeah. still going out there dominating yeah. and being a pro wrestler. Yep, mm -hmm. yep. And um, I remember, like, I'm a big, I'm a big MMA fan anyway. And um, I get a lot of, like, training ideas from them okay because again they've got the right idea especially someone like george st pierre you know yeah definitely um, you know he they train for a 25 minute fight okay because they don't know it's not going to go 25 minutes 
So they have to train like it is, even though it might be over in one minute, yep. you know? And um, he said that when he started to get popular, he realized that he was going to be on talk shows. And he was going to be on magazine covers, you know, and things like that. <clears throat> so he started training in the gym with weights and training for hypertrophy. All right. And he didn't do that before. Okay. But yeah. he only did it because he wanted to look good, like on mm. the front of the magazines and stuff. You know, and um, all he did was like a, a four exercise superset, I think, on his chest, you know, uh, just boom, 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 like three or four times round. You know, it wasn't anything too, too crazy or anything like that. But with all the other training, it's naturally going to be very lean anyway, you know. But um, yeah, I get, I get a lot of training ideas from them. And I remember watching a um, behind the scenes like extras on the dvd and it was just after matt hughes had um had won his fight and defended his welterweight belt and uh, undertaker walks in you know to the dressing room and they all fucking pop like they're the biggest <laughs> marks and it's just like oh my god <laughs> kind of you know and he's he's marking out for them because he's a big mma fan you know yeah and he just says like oh man like I've got, yeah, if I ever become a pro wrestler, I've got my finisher down, okay? And he goes, what is it? He goes, just flying armbar, all right? <laughs> and he, and he, he gets one of the heavyweights off his team to, like, post for him, <laughs> you know? And he shows him this flying armbar, and lo and behold, Taker starts using it on TV. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm having that before you I'm get like, well, okay, well, <laughs> that's... Yeah, yeah, it's the, uh, the influence... You know, re wrestling has always taken in the influence of popular culture. Yeah. And then you look at MMA. I mean, MMA has made itself popular because of wrestling. I mean, so many people have taken that same, you know, the entrances, they've taken the, the theatrics from their press conferences and done all that. I mean, Conor McGregor, like him or hate him, he's done what any good promo guy would have done. He's made himself be the number one. He's made himself draw people in. Um, because oh, yeah. of his theatrics, and he doesn't necessarily believe all the stuff he's saying, but you know that's where the influence from the pro wrestling world comes from. Yeah, I mean, you can go back to the days of Muhammad Ali. You know, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, he was trash talking before trash talking was cool, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> you know, probably and, the um, inventor of a promo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, from from England, so people like Chris Eubank. You know, and yeah. Ben, you know, they're always very like, I'm going to hype this fight, you know, as uh, compared out to, say, Lennox Lewis, who was always quite um, sportsman-like. Yeah, know, he didn't get the job done. Yeah, he never really wanted to go into, like, the jawjacking, you know, way of doing things. But, you know, it's, um, it takes in all kinds, you know, a lot like wrestling, you know. If everyone was jawjacking, then no one would be no one would be special because they're a good George hacker, you know, and like someone like GSP, as I mentioned, you know, he was always very respectful and um, you pair him up with someone like Nick Diaz, who is anything but respectful. <laughs> oh, the Diaz brothers, you don't get much better than those two. Yeah. But equally good fighters, you know, um, then you're like, it's like the Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat or the, the, uh, the Dusty Rhodes and the Ric Flair or the Steve Austin and the rock, you know, you got two people coming from different backgrounds who are just as good as each other. And in the, in the combat world or the entertainment world, opposites attract at the end yeah. of the day. 
Otherwise, it's the same person fighting the same person. You know? Although I would, I would pay to see Diaz brothers versus the Briscoes. <laughs> so if anyone wants to book that, please do. <laughs> oh, sorry, mate, but I've still got my money on the Diaz brothers. <laughs> yeah, you know, who's a bigger redneck? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it can't be the Diaz brothers. <laughs> I mean, there's no teeth to knock out of the Briscoes, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I would, I would think it would be safe to say that they probably wouldn't wouldn't make it to the ring because they'd be backstage getting stoned. <laughs> <laughs> so we are just about ready to wrap up. So we're going to ask a question that we've been asked a few times. What advice would you give yourself as a younger you? Oh, training <laughs> advice. Don't get married the first time. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good advice. No, no. There are all those people out there who've been married more than once. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Uh, you see, I, I'm a big believer in like not regretting anything from your past, because if that hadn't happened, you might not be where you are now. Exactly. You know. Um. So, as far as advice, I would probably just try and just say, because I've always felt like, especially in the early days of wrestling. Like when I when I first started, I always felt like I missed out on some opportunities because I wasn't um, like upfront with you know what I felt my skills were. You know, I'd yeah. let everyone else kind of dictate it because I didn't want to rock the boat or anything like that. You know, and then they'd get praised because they dictated it when I could have dictated it and I chose not to. You know, um, so yeah, just like if you know you're good at something. You know, don't be ashamed of saying that you're good at it. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a big difference between being cocky about it and being confident. You know, and if you're not confident, it's a bit cheeky to ask someone else to have confidence in you. You know, but you can come across with you know you can come across like, um, you know, as arrogant sometimes to people because you know maybe you've got a high confidence level. But especially in wrestling, you know, if you're asking promoters, you know, to have confidence in you that you can do a, a good job, then you can't not have confidence in yourself that you're going to do a good job. You know, yeah, it's okay Definitely. to talk about things that you're proud of. Yeah, it's, it's okay to talk about things that you're proud of. Uh, if you've done something good, it's okay to, to be happy and proud about it. You know. Tell people how proud you are, you know, of this achievement or this match you had or this workout you had or whatever, you know. Um, and don't let anyone put you down, you know, by saying that, you know, you talk about yourself too much, okay? Because if they were doing something that they were proud of, they'd be doing the same, okay? That's their problem, not yours. That's a great piece of advice. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more on that one. Um so it has been absolutely fantastic to have you on. I know it's taken us a little while to get this sorted, but we have yeah. <laughs> finally done it. So I massively appreciate you coming on and you have made history being our very first ever podcast guest. So massively appreciate that. So can where do, can, um, can do this? find you guys and the House of Pain guys? Yes. <laughs> no, thank you. It's been great. Um, love talking about training, love talking about wrestling, love talking about you know, anything like-minded with like-minded people, you know. So 
I'll be happy to come on again at any point. Mate, we would absolutely love to have you back on. This is my podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, how can I cut him off? <laughs> we'll change it where, to where let's some... rap about it. <laughs> Say that again, Scott. We'll change it to let's strap about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no chalk used on your yeah. side, mate. Sorry. <laughs> so where uh, where can people find you if they want to um, get in touch with the House of Pain School? Or I mean, obviously, at the moment, you're closed. Yeah. But I'll be around. <laughs> um yeah house of pains on twitter it's on instagram it's on facebook uh just house of pain wrestling um you get me on the same platforms uh normally under the sticks name like there there aren't that many people named sticks in the world so (laughs) it's probably better you look that one up rather than pool because god knows how many pools there are in the world but um yeah like i'm around if anyone wants to find me and scott where can we find you uh, I am Scott speaking on Instagram. Yeah. Cool. And you can find oh, us know. at let's underscore chalk about it on Instagram. You can also go to www.letschalkaboutit.co.uk. All podcasts, including this one, will be included on that. And you can also go to our Patreon page. So, again, thank you very much for your time, Sticks. Thank you again, Scott. And we will yeah. catch you guys again soon. Wicked. <laughs>